So on today's episode, we're going to talk about how to structure your day as a productive real estate salesperson. And then we're going to break down the upcoming housing market crash of 2023. So really quick before we jump into today's episode, if you are a listing agent or rather want to be a listing agent and you're currently not, you want to build a multiple six-figure income in your real estate sales business without working nights, without working weekends, and most importantly, without having to spend a ton of money buying leads that never convert, I'm going to put a link for you to find out more about my Listing Agent Academy coaching program. I'll put a link to that in the description beneath this episode. So with that, let's jump into today's content. So the first thing I want to talk about is how to structure your day as a highly productive, a high-producing top real estate agent, which I have to... I guess, assume that is what you want to be if you're here watching this content right now. So let's break this down. The way in which I look at this, this is how I, this is this is the way in which I lay out the daily structure for agents that I coach. And I think you might find a lot of value in, but you can be the judge of that, all right? So I look at this the same way as I look at maybe a, a football game. And, and, and stick with me. Even if you're not a, a sports person, I understand the sports analogies sometimes drive non-sports people crazy, but I promise to you that this is going to make sense, all right? So the way in which I have this structured is the day broken out into four quarters with a pre-game plan, a halftime plan, and a post-game plan. So jumping into the pre-game plan before the day starts, here is my recommendation. This is probably in the hours of between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. I recommend that you do a couple things. Number one, that we're role-playing and practicing our scripts and objection handlers with a role-play partner. Now, for those of you that dismiss that automatically and say, oh, yeah, I've heard that before, let's get into this a little bit deeper. Role play and practice is not the time to talk about the weather, talk about the kids, talk about the game last night. This is designed, structured time for you and somebody that has the same level of commitment to success as you to truly get better, to work on our craft of becoming a great salesperson. So when you're working with your role play partner, we want to make it as realistic as possible without being overly defensive or overly challenging for our role play partners so that our role play partners can leave the role play session. This goes for you as well with confidence as the warm up as they're starting their day. So make sure that your sessions are no more, no more than 30 minutes. Really, they need to be 15 to 20 minutes where you and your role play partner are getting as many reps as possible. Maybe you're working on the new cold call opening script. Maybe you're working on a for sale by owner script or an expired objection. Get reps as many back and forth. We can BS and bullshit and, and talk about whatever we want later, but this time should be structured to the point and that we get the most value from one another. The second thing is to review your business plan. So once we get out of role play and practice, now we've got our business plan that always stays with us. 
This isn't a document that you make once a year because you're all excited about the new year. You shove it in some drawer that you never see again. This business plan that should outline your vision, your mission, your goals should be a document that you have with you at all time that you review. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I said these things were important. Here's the action plan that I've built that I have committed to that will result in me achieving the goals that I have set. The next thing is that we're waking up at the same time every single day. We don't change it up. Build a routine, a pre-game routine that you wake up at the same time, you go and work out, and after that workout, before you role play, before you review your business plan, we're taking a cold shower. I don't want to make this video about the cold shower. I can just hear you in the comments right now. Oh, cold showers, blah, blah, blah. If you do it, you will find all of the benefits as to why you should consider taking a cold shower in the morning. For those of you that do take cold showers in the morning, you know the benefits. So that is our pre-game routine. Now we get into quarter one. Quarter one is from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. It's very simple. It's very basic. We're going to prospect and have new conversations with prospects between 8 and 10. That is what we do in the first quarter of the day. The first two hours of the, of the day, we're having a minimum of 20 conversations with new prospects. This does not count lead follow-up. So our goal in the first quarter is to have a minimum of 20 new conversations with new prospects of which we've never talked to before. This is our top of funnel activity to continue to fill the sales pipeline. That is what we do in Q1. Let's move on to quarter two. Quarter two goes from 10 a.m. to noon every single day. Here are the six things I'm going to have you do with inside Q2. Number one, lead follow-up. And yes, contacts from lead follow-up should be counted in our daily conversations, but not to be confused with our 20 new conversations. So this is when we're going to be following up with all of the leads in our sales pipeline. Remember, most of your appointments will come out of lead follow-up, not lead generation. Number two, we're going to confirm any appointments on the calendar during this period of time between 10 and noon. So if you've got a listing appointment, you have a showing appointment, you have an inspection, you're going to meet an appraiser, any in-person, face-to-face appointments, any phone appointments, any Zoom appointments, any appointment on the calendar with anyone gets confirmed between 10 and noon. Number three, this is where we can finish any last-minute appointment preparation. Maybe you've got an updated CMA. Maybe you got to do a, a seller's net sheet for one of your listing appointments. This is when you're going to prep for those appointments. You don't do it first thing in the morning. We're going to do it in Q2. Number four, prospecting cleanup. This is massive, okay? So in the morning, when you're having 20 new conversations, hopefully on a daily basis, 100 new conversations a week, the goal is for you to generate some leads, of course, out of that activity. Well, we've got to do something with those leads because too many agents tell me too many times that leads are falling through the cracks. That, Brandon, I don't have a system. I'm not organized. And so we're going to use this time in Q2 between 20, 10 and noon to clean up the leads that we've generated. What does that mean specifically? That means this, that if we generate a lead, we're going to get it into our database. We're going to get it into our CRM. We're going to get it into whatever 
follow-up system. Maybe you just have a paper folder system, which a lot of my coaching clients use. Whatever that system is going to be, we're going to clean up the leads that we've generated from that first quarter prospecting activity. Number five, we're then going to send out our handwritten thank you cards to any and all new leads that we've generated for the day. Don't let that sit there. You should have a stack of thank you cards sitting on your desk, ready to go, hand addressed, ready to go. You've got that thank you card ready, already written. You've got a business card magnet that is inside of that thank you card, and we're sending those out to any new leads that we generate. Number six, we update our sales tracker. That's the last piece of Q2 before halftime. So hopefully you've got some type of paper tracker where you're tallying, you're keeping track of the number of contacts you had, the, the number of dials, your start time, your, start, your, your, your end time of prospecting, how many appointments you set, all of that information we're going to then input into a sales conversion tracker. Now, Q1, Q2, those are all income generating activities. We get those done before noon. And if you do, you would have done more than 99% of your competitors. So congratulations to you on that. Now we break for halftime, which is lunch. Okay. If you're making your lunch and you're paying attention to your diet because you understand how important the diet is. Maybe you bring your lunch. If you're going to go out to lunch, utilize the time to have lunch with a referral partner during halftime. So if you're doing business with a probate attorney or a divorce attorney, have lunch. Use that as an, as an opportunity to build and strengthen relationships with referral partners. Now, after you've taken a break, you have a mental break because you've been working your rear end off, practicing amazing self-discipline monk-like focus in Q1 and Q2. Now you've got that mental break. Now we get into Q3. Quarter three is from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. All right, now here are the things we want to do in this time. This is when we're going to, we call this admin time. So it's this period of time that I think screws up a lot of real estate agents because they're trying to put what we call income servicing activities, which is all quarter three into the first half. We cannot do that. We have to wait to do the administrative tasks, which most agents are tricking themselves to believe that those should take priority over lead generation. And it simply is not the case. So what does this mean? This means returning all phone calls, text messages, voicemails, and emails. You've got a time in the calendar to do those things so that you're not distracted every time the phone rings. Oh, I got to grab that. That's my lender. That's my that's my client. I've got to stop prospecting, stop building my future to go deal with this income surf. No, we don't do that because we've got time in the calendar to do that in, qu in quarter three. The next thing that we're going to do is we're going to work on all of our pending files. So any deal you have under contract, anything that you have to do, any task you have to do with contract to close, you're going to do it in Q3. You've got to call the lender back update the title company, send an addendum, chase down some type of, of W-2 or paperwork or whatever you need, this is when you're going to do it. This is the, also the time you're going to work on new listings. So you got a new listing last night. Congratulations. This is the time you're going to spend inputting into the MLS. If you don't have an assistant yet, this is the time for that. And then lastly, offer negotiations. This is when we present all offers to our sellers. It's in Q3. 
Presenting offers and offer negotiations is an income servicing activity. It is not an income generating activity. So we're going to we're going to present all offers to our clients. Let the offers come into your inbox. Don't let that be a distraction. Brandon, I got an offer. I've got to drop everything because I got an offer on my listing because I am so desperate for a commission check. I've got to drop everything and jump all over this offer. Well, that's what the needy, desperate amateur does. Be a professional. Follow a schedule. And that way you can be under control. You don't have to ride the emotional roller coaster like so many other agents. So that's Q3. Let's get into Q4. Q4 is from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. so that you can get home for dinner. And it's very simple. This is showtime. This is your time to present to new clients to obtain new clients. It's client acquisition time. This is when we're going on buyer consultations. This is when we're going on listing consultations. This is your time to meet with prospective clients and come home with a contract signed. This is when all of those meetings should take place. Let's get into post-game. Now that the day is done, we get into post-game routines. And it's all about routines. I was watching Steph Curry the other day on ESPN talk about the win they just had the other night. They almost lost it, but they ended up winning. And he talked about, the, the, the reporter was asking Steph, well, you know, how, how do you show up like this day in and day out performing at the level that you perform at? He simply said, it's my daily routine, period. It's a great interview. And so the post-game routine is this, that at the end of the day, after dinner, after you do the things that you need to do and the obligations are, 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 are met with your family, that we journal what has occurred this day. The pro or the, 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 the wins, the losses, any thoughts that you're having. And those of you that, again, want to dismiss journaling for being foo-foo, don't knock it until you try it. I knocked it for way too long, and there's so much power in documenting the day after the day and then going back a month, six months, six years and reading through where you are at in your journal. Super powerful. You're going to also review tomorrow's schedule, plan tomorrow today. So what do I have on my calendar for tomorrow? What do I need to be mentally prepared to do so that I don't come in the next day with this surprise? Like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. I've got to go meet this appraiser. And then all hell breaks loose because you didn't look at your calendar for the previous day until the next day. Then we take a hot shower in the evening. Not the video to, to unpack the studies on that and the psychology and, and all the science. But if we can take a hot shower in the evening, chances are you have better sleep. And that's the last thing is to optimize sleep. One of the key to high performers is optimizing sleep, tracking sleep, making sure the temperature is right, taking a hot shower. There's all kinds of other things that go into optimizing sleep. But if you want to be a top performer, which I am betting that you do, we have to optimize for sleep. That's the daily outline. That is what I recommend the schedule that you follow to build a productive listing-based agent schedule or business. And so obviously, if you have any questions on that, you can put them in the comments below. Let me know what, what clarity I can give you as it relates to how do you structure your day as a real estate agent. Now, the next thing, let's get into the housing market. Now, leading up to 2023, and early 2023, or uh, yeah, late 2022, leading into 2023, the mass media and, and, and others 
have led everyone to believe that we're going to get into this massive housing market crash. Well, we haven't really seen it. In a housing market crash, for context, for everybody that's going to get all mad about uh, this video or this conversation in the comments, a housing market crash relates to the prices of homes. So that's what we're going to look at right now. And so there's a couple of new reports that came out. One was from Fannie Mae. Let's, let's look at this one first. Home sales will be subdued for the rest of 2023. This is a recent report from Fannie Mae that just came out. I'll read to you a couple of things in the report, then we'll talk about it. Strong home buyer demand is providing more support for home prices than economists at Fannie Mae had expected at the beginning of the year, like most others. But forecasters at the mortgage giant expert uh, expect, I'm sorry, tight for sale inventory will keep sales subdued for the rest of the year. Fine. We're going to talk about home sales in just a second. Stick with me on this. Here's what the chief economist at Fannie Mae had to say. The economic slowdown has resumed. Whether the end result is a modest recession or simply a soft landing remains unanswered although we continue to expect the former. So that's yet to see. We'll find out. So let's first look at the national home price declines that we've seen this year. So I'm going to go ahead and actually show you a graph. Let me pull this up. Because I think there's a lot of context and a lot of nuance here. So if you look at my screen right now, and for people listening to this on the podcast, I'll kind of articulate this the best that I can. So national home price declines seeking uh, seen as peaking next year. Okay, well, let's give this some context. We're coming off of home uh, uh, record-breaking home prices in Q1 of 2022, as you can see. Home prices were up 20% on average. Some, some places, they were up even higher than that. And if you look before that, this is the highest home prices have been ever. I'll show you another report right here. This is a graph from statistia.com and you can see the peak of home prices over $400,000 was the record home price that we've ever seen in this country. Well, let's go back to this graph. So from 20% up in Q1 2022, you can look at the graph going down. This is what people are communicating or misleading to the market. They're saying home prices are crashing. Well, let's give this context. 0% is the baseline. Meaning if this graph was at 0%, home prices would stay flat. This graph going down is a decrease in home appreciation. Q2 2022, home prices went up by 18%. Q3 2022, home prices went up 13%. Q4, home prices up 8.7%. Q1, up 4.5%. It's a decline in home appreciation. A lot of people confuse that. Then, Q2, 2023, home prices are, are about flat. It's not until we get into, which is kind of like where we're at right now, where home prices on average are down about one, one and a half percent and down from what? 
Oh, from the highest they've ever been in the history of the world. So that $400,000 house might be worth three seventy-five, dollars but in comparison to what it was worth before pre-pandemic levels, it's still way, way up. Now, here's what's interesting about the report. The report that Inman just released from Fannie Mae yesterday is that you could see the forecast of home price declines. The worst we're anticipating, which is in Q2 2024 next year, down just over 2.5%. Home price crash, crash? I don't think so. And then you can see home values start to come back up is what they are forecasting. And so I think the important, the context there around a home, uh, a housing market crash, as it relates to home prices, you have to look at the context. There's all kinds of videos out there that, you know, home prices are down 20%, this, that, and the other thing. Appreciation, at, at which level they have gone up in value has decreased. But if you look at year over year, maybe we're down a point, point and a half. So Fannie Mae, uh, they continued. This is a great article. It just came out. Continued. It said, in January, home prices were looking soft. We forecasted the national home prices would drop 4.2% on an annual basis during the fourth quarter of 2023. The theory at that time, this is important, was that last year's run-up in mortgage rates and the dramatic home price gains during the pandemic would create affordability challenges for many would-be home buyers. But that wasn't the case. The latest Fannie Mae forecast is that home prices will be stickier on the way down, with national home price appreciation declining by 1.2% on an annual basis during the fourth quarter and peaking at negative 2.6% during the second quarter of 2026. It's just what I showed you. So now the next thing we got to look at is mortgage rate expectations because we talked about housing prices. Housing prices are probably going to hover around being flat or down 2 3%. But again, put it into context. Down 3% from what? Oh, from home prices being way, 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 way up. Most homeowners are way further. They're, they're much further ahead than they were pre-pandemic. So if we look at mortgage rates now. So I'm going to share my screen with you on this. You can start to look at the forecast on mortgage rates. Mortgage rates, we believe, we being people in this industry of real estate and housing and mortgages, believe that the height of mortgage rates are now in the rearview mirror. That from this point moving forward, we should start to see and continue to see rather a downward trajectory of mortgage interest rates, which as a result should help to increase buyer demand, should help sellers get off the sideline that say, well, if rates are going to hover around 5%, five and a quarter percent, this is what it is. Now, all the people that have been waiting to see what this market's going to do late 2022, early 2023, start to get off the sidelines. So here's what the Fannie Mae housing forecast report said. With the economy still looking likely to enter recession, listen closely, economists at Fannie Mae expect mortgage rates will continue to decline. In an April 17 forecast, the Mortgage Banker Association and their economists said that they expect rates on a 30-year fixed mortgage to average about 5.5% 5 
by the fourth quarter of this year, of 2023. A drop below 5% in the third quarter of next year. So if we see rates drop beneath 5%, you will see a frenzy of buyers and a frenzy of sellers who've been waiting to see what will happen with this housing market, get off the sideline, and we should start to see this housing market pick back up because home sales are the thing that are making all the headlines with this housing market crash talk. Now, let's give this some context. Is it true that home sales are down a thousand percent? They are down. There's no doubt about it. Here's a graph on screen. 2021, we saw six, just under 6.2 million home sales. 2022, we ended up just over 5 million. It's projected in this year, 2023, that we'll end up around 4.2 million home sales. That's down. That's a huge, dramatic drop. That's what we saw in like 2010 coming out of the Great Recession. And a lot of us believe that if we can weather the storm because of all the reasons that I just shared, you could see in 2024 that home sales start to pick up. Now, unlike 2010, when home sales dipped dramatically and inventory rose like crazy, we're not seeing that, which is keeping home prices at bay. It's keeping home prices from crashing. That's what keep that's what's that's what's keeping these home prices pretty static. And so with the downward trajectory on mortgage rates, we should start to see home sales pick up. We should start to see more buyer demand. We should start to see more listings hit the market. Furthermore, Let's talk about another report that is adding to the U.S. housing market, and that is new home sales soar to one-year highs in March as purchases leap 9.6%. Now, one of the biggest stories that people that believe that this would be the greatest housing market crash we'd ever see in history said so because they thought that new construction was going to get absolutely demolished. Well, that's simply not the case. Sales of newly built single-family homes leaped 9.6% in March to a one-year high, up from the revised February 2023 estimate of 623000 This was according to data released today when I'm making this video from the U.S. Census Bureau in the Department of Housing and Urban Development. The strong month-over-month increase in sales marked for the fourth consecutive month of increases, showing that buyers are gradually easing back into the market in preparation for the real estate industry's busiest season and adjusting to new landscape of higher mortgage rates. As sellers have been more hesitant to list their current home with economic and mortgage rate environments, more buyers have turned to new construction, helping boost March's number. Home shoppers frustrated by the lack of resale inventory or new listings and high prices are presently surprised by the options and offers available from new home builders. So the median sales price for new homes, because everybody was saying, oh my gosh, look at the, you know, these home builders are slashing prices. This is a sign that the market is crashing. Quite the contrary happened in March. The median sales price of new homes sold in March of 2023 was $449,800, up from $438,000 in February. The average sales price in March was $562,000, up from $498,000. 
month over month, new home sales rose a stunning 170% in the Northeast, 29% in the West. And you could start to really see that maybe new construction is the unlikely hero in this housing market because it's giving people more options than just waiting for that perfect home to hit the market. Maybe these home buyers, as mortgage rates come back down, as home sellers say, oh, I, I do want to move. I do need something bigger. I need, I need something smaller. Maybe they turn to new home builders and that is what the numbers are showing. So are we in a housing market crash? I don't see it yet. I don't have any data. There is no data that suggests home prices are crashing. It's yet to be determined what, what the Fed continues to do throughout the rest of 2023. What's going to happen with mortgage interest rates? At to, to which extent will we go through another recession? All of these are yet to be seen. But what we haven't seen is the house that was worth 400000 in 2022 which is the, the the highest home average price we've ever seen, up from maybe 300,000, 325, all the way up to 400,000. We, we don't see that house that's worth 400, now worth 275. We haven't seen the massive price drop off, which I think a lot of people are leading people to believe, like this is the great recession of 2000, 2008. So if you're a real estate agent or you're a mortgage loan officer, or you're in the real estate industry, what are you seeing in your market? I understand that different markets are seeing different things, but there's a lot of markets seeing multiple offer situations again, just depending on where you're at. But I'm curious, what are you seeing in the marketplace? I'll continue guys uh, to update you guys on the housing market as we get more information. And like always, I appreciate you guys watching the show.